Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Welcome to Bedtime Stories with R.A. Spratt. Today's story is The Dreadful Martian Encounter. Amy was fed up with everyone in her class. She would have liked to bop them all on the nose, or release a wild animal on them while they visited the zoo, or swing across the classroom on a flying fox shooting rubber darts at their heads. But Amy was very short and rather dumpy and had to wear thick glasses because her eyesight wasn't very good. So she wasn't really suited to any of the more spectacular types of physical revenge. Which is why Amy was so glad when her teacher announced the school science competition. Every student had to do a project demonstrating a principle of physics. Now, Amy might not be the best at running, jumping, or bopping people on the nose, but she knew she could wipe the floor with everybody when it came to science. Florence and Joe are going to make a battery out of a potato, said James. He was Amy's best and only friend, so he was reporting what he'd overheard on the bus. Ha! scoffed Amy. A potato battery demonstrates chemistry, not physics. Ethan and Megan are going to drop a cricket ball from a tower to demonstrate terminal velocity, continued James. What? derided Amy. They'd have to build a tower that was 40 metres tall. What are we going to do? asked James. Something way better than that, said Amy, with a gleam in her eye. We're going to travel through space to another planet. But we're only in the fourth grade, protested James. I don't think they expect us to do anything like that. There's nothing to it, said Amy. The only reason regular astronauts struggle is because they go into space at incredible speeds and the friction of passing through the atmosphere makes their spaceships hot. So we're not going to do that, asked James. No, we're going to do the opposite, said Amy. We're going to have a low speed launch. A what, asked James. Just be here at nine o'clock tomorrow, said Amy. You'll see. When James arrived the following morning, he could hear banging and soaring coming from inside Amy's garage. Are you all right in there, he called. Just a minute, yelled Amy. There was a final flurry of banging and wrenching, then the sound of the automatic garage doors starting to open. See for yourself, called Amy. Slowly the double door rose, and James caught his first glimpse of her interplanetary spacecraft. It's just a wheelie bin with helium balloons tied to it, he exclaimed. The genius lies in the simplicity, said Amy, as she wheeled it out into the sunlight. Come and look inside. James climbed into the wheelie bin. There's not much to see, he said. Amy cut the guy ropes and the bin started to drift up. She swung herself in. What's happening, asked James. We've launched, said Amy. No, panicked James. You can still jump out, said Amy. We're only two metres off the ground. James started to climb out. Then you can make your own project, said Amy. Now, the only thing that frightened James more than interplanetary travel was having to do a school assignment all by himself. He stayed in the bin. They kept drifting upwards all day. It started to get cold at about the 300 metre mark, but Amy had the foresight to bring a hot water bottle, so they were okay. At about 5.30pm, they left the atmosphere, and Amy and James stared out the Perspex viewing hole. They could see the blackness of space stretching out infinitely in front of them. "'I don't believe it!' exclaimed James." 
This actually worked. Now to get to another planet, said Amy. You're not serious about that, asked James. Of course I am. I've wrapped five kilometres of copper wire around this bin, turning the whole thing into a giant electromagnet. In precisely 45 seconds, said Amy, checking her watch, the Wildcat 3 comet will be flying past and its core is entirely made of iron. So we'll stick to it, asked James. Like white cat hair on a black cardigan, said Amy. Are you ready? No, said James. Amy ignored him and flicked the electromagnet on. The bin was yanked forward, accelerating to a phenomenal speed. We're going to die, yelled James. Of course we are, agreed Amy. We all die eventually. That's one of the first things we learned in science class. After several days of shooting through space faster than the speed of sound, James eventually stopped screaming, which allowed them to play several hundred games of Boggle and a few thousand games of Monopoly before they finally arrived at their destination. That's where we're going to land, said Amy excitedly, pointing to the planet below. But how do we get down there, asked James. I'll just turn the electromagnet off and we'll drop, said Amy. That sounds dangerous, worried James. Don't worry, a parachute will deploy at a thousand metres from the ground, said Amy. And with that, she switched off the electromagnet. Suddenly, James and Amy were jammed to the roof of the wheelie bin as they hurtled towards the ground. Ah, said James. Then they slumped to the bottom of the bin. We've just hit terminal velocity, said Amy happily, as they continued to whistle through the air. Next, with a loud woof, they were tugged upwards. Or at least it felt that way as the parachute deployed. Perfect, said Amy. Now we slowly float. Smash! The wheelie bin crashed. And it wasn't a quick crash either. It was one of those long crashes that keep going as they crash through one thing, then another. Finally, the wheelie bin came to a halt. Are you all right? Amy asked. Ugh, said James. I'm going to take a look to see if this planet is hospitable, said Amy. She opened the lid and looked out. Ah! screamed Amy. Ah! screamed the 30 children staring at her. For Amy and James had crash-landed into a school classroom. Their wheelie bin was dangling from the ceiling and the children were screaming because they had never seen a Martian before. Who are you? demanded Mrs. Darman. Fortunately, a bizarre coincidence of convergent evolution, everyone on Earth spoke perfect Martian. My name's Amy, this is James, and we've travelled here from the planet Mars, stated Amy. Amy and James climbed out of the wheelie bin. At first, the class stared at them in awe. Then the boldest boy cried out, Look, they're so short! And kind of dumpy, called a rude girl. And look at her funny glasses, said Mrs. Darman, who had completely forgotten her good manners. As Amy and James flew back to Mars later that day, James took pity on his friend and did not say, I told you so. Amy was clearly crushed emotionally to discover that children can be just as horrible on Earth as they are on Mars. The end. Thank you for listening to support this podcast. Just go to your local bookstore or favourite online seller and buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from across the Nanny Piggins, Friday Barnes and Pesky Kids range. That's it from me. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.